And um, I was going to say this, it's, it makes perfect sense in uh, the start of a new series of the Book of Acts to have a bit of a Christmas message. And uh, just as Matt said, I was looking forward so much uh, to be sharing this message with you all on uh, December 12th, almost a month ago. And uh, right in that week, as Matt said, I got tested positive. So that, that was a, a bummer. But I'm so glad that right in the, this new series, uh, we get to do this. And it's uh, going to be wonderful. Um, in the beginning, I say it's going to be wonderful. In the beginning, it, it may sound a little bit bleak, maybe, because it is. But then in the end, in the end, I hope, because it will, it's going to be great. It's going to sound positive, not like testing positive. It's going to be, it, it is great news. So let's uh, start. The scripture that I was going to read from four weeks ago and that we're going to read today is Malachi, the fourth chapter, verse two. And I'll read it. And uh, here goes. And, and in a sense, you may want to listen to this with a bit of a Christmas spirit. I am because Christmas is my favorite time of the year. So I'm glad in January to be able to do this. Malachi 4.2. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. That's the verse I want to read the, the first bit of that verse again for a purpose. Where it says, but for you who fear my name, you'll get to that word. The son of righteousness, obviously referring to prophesying about Jesus. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And uh, the song that we would have sung around this Sunday four weeks ago, which we're not going to sing now, had these three lines. And um, I'll grab this one more time. I'll try to sing this. Why? Because just to make sure it's a bit of a Christmas thing. Hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Well, if now there's not a Christmas spirit at home, I don't know. I've, I've tried to do this. It's really important. Um, but when it comes to healing, when it comes to this amazing prophecy, and we've already sung and worshiped our Lord Jesus. We've worshiped him for his great sacrifice that he's brought for us. This thing comes to my attention. Um, about, obviously, as Matt also said, we're in this weird season still with uh, COVID and no one knows how long this is gonna be around and all that. Uh, about four or five months ago, I got a, my wife and I, we got a little picture sent by WhatsApp from two of our grandchildren. And they were in uh, the bathroom, and they had uh, a bucket of water, they had a test tube, they had some sieves, and they were doing some tests. And uh, my son said that his kids, our grandkids, were trying to find the virus, and they were trying to, after they find it, clear it out of the water, so they would take care of COVID. Now, they're six and four years old, and the picture was so cute. It was, of course, we still have it. It was such a beautiful picture. Oh, how sweet. And then it started to dawn on me. It is really cute. But it's really sad also. I felt like God speaking to me on 
that's maybe how we are in this world. Not necessarily only with COVID, of course, but we are trying to do our best. The world is trying to evolve, is trying to get things right, is trying to grow, uh, trying to educate people. But what's the result? And with, with uh, our uh, grandchildren, we go like, oh, that's so sweet. And, but with the world, if you look at it, you can't say, oh, that's sweet, and then go on, because that's where all of us, we are right in it. And I started to think, it's so true, it's so helpless. And um, I don't know if you remember, and maybe it's going to come on the screen, maybe not, but last year, in about, no, this was the 20... 2020 it was already, we had a little billboard in Amsterdam and it says right after Corona had been around for a couple months, it's gonna get better and uh, there, there it is on the screen and everyone was like, yeah, yeah, it's gonna get better and uh, everyone felt like a bit of a relief, well, you know, it's, it's on a billboard so it's definitely gonna get better. It's a good thing, we had no idea back then we were gonna be at this for another 18 months and it's not getting better, it was getting worse. And, uh, and of course, I want to sound hopeful in the end, but right now, we don't really know. If we look at our uh, infection numbers in Holland and all around, it's only going up. But I don't want to talk about corona anymore. Um, but it's just one sign of we don't seem to be able to get better as a world. Um, I don't blame the world, but things don't seem to be getting right. If you've been following the news the last couple of weeks, one thing that, that speaks to me because of my hobby, which is the Second World War, stands out the whole situation in Ukraine, where, by the way, a war has been going on for the last five, six, seven years, and no one knows about it, but a war is going on. Um, the situation is being so tense, is so coming to the forefront, like, what's going to happen now? And it reminds me of München, 1938, where... It feels like that's, that's a world away. But really, is it? Where the world was on the brink of a world war and people thought, well, if we just give up this country, if we just please this dictator, then everything will be fine again. And I wonder, did we learn as a world? Did we make any steps? Did we grow? I remember we said after the Second World War, not we, you know, I wasn't there, but the world said, this is never going to happen again. And I remember in the 90s, Am I old? I'm a little bit old. In the 90s, again, there was concentration camps in Europe. Not in some weird, obscure, faraway country, but in our big, great Europe. We had concentration camps, again. Are we getting any better? Are we learning? I've been reading uh, a couple books, one by uh, Obama. You've heard of Obama, I guess. And it's called A Promised Land. It's a great book. I can recommend it. It's a beautiful book. You can see his heart, uh, his struggle, trying to fight for this world, fight for this country, trying to make things better. And again, it's beautiful. Read the book. I'm not going to preach on that. But then if we come to the end, not of the book, but where we are right now in our lifetime, we go, did it work? Did it really help? Where are we now? Where's the great plans that everybody was cheering? Yes, we can. And again, I, I think there are some great things that has happened. But where are we now? I read another book by Kamala Harris. Um, the, the, I need to... The Truth We Hold, English titles. And again, here's a lady who is influential and 
has been doing so many things before she became the, the vice president. And she's writing from her heart. She's doing great things. She's fighting for righteousness. And in the end of the book, and it's kind of the same like Obama's, it says, we should be able to do better than this. We can do better. And it's a good question to ask. Can we? Can we do better than this? Now, this is where I warned and said, it sounds bleak. But if we look around us, not just in America, but in Holland, in Amsterdam, wherever you live, wherever your situation is happening, how are we doing? Can we do better? And I, I hear the comments. I, I heard it in my own heart where I thought, yeah, but, you know, if we look at the world without God, that, that's really bad. But, you know, with God, things are great. Things are looking up. As Christians, we're doing a lot better. And I want to ask the questions, are they, or better question, are we, am I? And I, I just want to read a couple things from the word, just as a reminder. Um, if we go, yeah, but with God, you know, we're doing really good. Just want to drop a couple names. Adam and Eve, the first two. Living with God, they had everything going for them. A bit of a problem. They didn't trust God. A problem with trust. And we know the rest of the story. Abram, many years later, he was going to make a covenant with God. God was already promising, I'm going to do something about this. I want to give you hope. Here's the word for the first time. And, and they were going to do an, an Old Testament covenant where they had a lot of animals. They would cut them in the middle. And they would lay the, how do you say, the, the, the dead animals, the corpses of the animals, split and then the two parties would walk right in between, pass through these split open corpses, and they would say, that's what's going to happen to one of us if we don't stick to this covenant. And Abraham was going to have this cup. And what happens is he falls asleep. Right when God is going to make this great covenant, he falls asleep and he has this dream and there's God in his power and God walks through these corpses because God is the only one who can hold to that covenant. Abram falls asleep. Later on, uh, God has promised Abram and Sarah that they're going to have a son. They're going to have multiple, multiple, multiple members in their family. And Abram has a problem with trust. He doesn't trust God. What he does is he uses his own plan. He sleeps with his servant, his slave, and he thinks, I'm going to take care. I'm, I'm going to make this plan work. Can we really do better? Um, there are so many examples. Moses is chosen by God to lead the people out of Egypt. And Moses is chosen. He's got this great man. And the first thing he says is, I don't want to do it. Send someone else. He doesn't trust God. He has his excuses. And Moses finally goes. He leads out the people by the power of God. When he's out with the people there in the desert, he gets so fed up and he's getting angry. He strikes the rock where God says to do something. And Moses does it his own way. He gets angry. He's disobedient. He loses his temper. Can we do better? David was a great worshiper. It's going to get better. David, we know him as a great worshiper. He, he wrote songs that are amazing. We are still singing them. It's amazing. A man that even in other parts of the Bible, God says, he's a man after my heart. This great worshiper, he ends up killing people. Not just his enemies, but a husband that was kind of not really helping him. 
He was um, committing adultery. Can we do better? Solomon, his son who took over, he was going to build the temple now because he was going to be the great man. And Solomon built his temple. The glory of God came down in his temple. And we think, man, now it was really going to happen. People could not stand in the temple because God's presence was so awesome. Man, we're going to do better. It's going to do better. And the Bible says the end of Solomon's life who saw the glory of God, he was led away, not by other women, but by the gods of other women. He followed the gods. He just followed no gods. Can we do better? We can go on and on. I'll, I'll give one more because it's going to get better, as I said. Elijah, another man that we know of, a great servant who did mighty works in the name of God. And, oh, if you read... It's amazing. And then towards the end of his life, where he's slaughtered a lot of um, servants of idols, a lady, Jezebel, says, I'll make sure you're dead by the end of this day. And this mighty Elijah, he gets afraid. And his fear gets in the way. And the Bible says it in nice words, but basically Elijah sits down and wants to end his life. Can we do better? Um, coming towards the good news, two more books, like a, a book uh, by Robert Learden, God's Generals. There's like six of them. He describes mighty women and men of God that were used lately, not just in the time of Elijah, but like in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, men and women that did great things. But many a time, in the end of the chapter, you read how their lives ended and they continue to struggle many times with a hidden sin or just a problem in their life. Can we do better? And when I read that book, I thought, man, I'm going to read about God's generals. It gripped me. God, can we do better? Can we really do better? Um, the last thing on this, there's, um, no, don't say that. It's, it's going to get better. Um, I want to read the scripture, Malachi 4, verse 2, one more time. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. The good news is starting. Now, the wings that is being used here, this word translated as wings, this is what I see before me, can also be translated as, and this is getting a, a bit complicated, and if you don't really follow this, look it up, uh, as tassels. And tassels... I need to write this. I wrote it down so I can read out. The Old Testament had 630 commandments. 613 rules that you had to live by in order to live a holy life. And they were called the tzitzit. Another word for that is tassels. You can forget that word. But it's also the word for something. I don't have that now. But in the Old Testament, they had the robes, the, the long cloaks. And at the end, at the bottom of the cloak, I'm pointing to something that I don't have. But just believe it's there. Like a, a cloak. And you had these little uh, riffraffs, whatever you call them. Franje in Dutch. Beautiful. These little threads and wires. And it was said in the Bible, in Numbers 15, that you should have that at the end, at the bottom of your robe. And it was going to be a reminder of the commandments, a reminder of not to follow after your own heart, but to listen to and follow God. 613 commandments. That was a bit of a, 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 a tall order. Um, 
but really the only one who could hold that, and here's where the good news starts, was and is Jesus. Maybe you remember the story where Jesus is going one place and he's going to heal someone. And in the crowd, a lady comes up to him. And this is uh, written in Matthew chapter 3, chapter, oh, Matthew chapter 9. And you see that the lady comes up behind Jesus and she doesn't say, oh, if I just fall at his feet, if I just ask him, Jesus, touch me, I'll be healed. But she says, if I can only touch the hem of his garment. But she's referring to that word wings or tassel, those little thingies at the, the bottom of your rope again. And surely this lady knew Malachi 4.2, this great prophecy that everyone in Israel was looking forward to, hoping for. This lady had incredible faith in her heart, knowing if I can just touch this man who's the only one who fulfills all 613 commandments, who holds true to all of them. And as she does, Jesus notices. And she is healed from her terrible disease. Um, healing in his wings. It's so beautiful. Second, it's, it's going to get better. It says healing in his wings. Another word for healing that, that may sound normal is cure. The cure for, well, we found a cure for many diseases in this world. And uh, we are trying to find a cure for, well, you can mention so many diseases that are around. Diseases that we have not found a cure for. But here, the description for Jesus with healing in his wings, the cure, not just for a disease, like this lady found disease, found healing for her disease, but the cure. And the reason I love Christmas, the reason I love, but it's January 9th, yes. The reason I love Christmas, and especially this scripture, is it's referring to Jesus as the cure, not just a, a box with some medicine, or you have this disease, then take tablet A, but the cure. Not something the world can do. Not something that believers has tried to do. If I've just gone through some of the stories in the Bible where we've tried and failed. But Jesus is the cure. I want to read this scripture from uh, Matthew 3, verse 17. And um, it is beautiful. You'll recognize it, but it's so lovely. Matthew 3, here it is, verse 17. You may have heard it, but maybe you hear it with uh, different ears. Jesus has been baptized by John, and then it says, a voice sounds. Listen to this voice. John says, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I'm going to say that a little different. I don't think it was like that. Jesus baptized, there's a little voice. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Bless you. I believe God the Father, having seen all of history, knowing what Jesus is gonna do, gonna do, having seen all the failures of man in the past, seeing all the failures that, are, that were still gonna happen, he said, this is him, this is he. 
not just like this woman who fell and touched his garment and was healed, but God the Father said, here he is, this is him, here he is, with whom I'm well pleased. Yes, finally, now it's going to happen. And this is what I think of when we read Malachi with healing in his wings. God the Father crying out, here he is, our only hope. There is no hope in life except for Jesus. There is no hope in our ways, in our structures, in our economics, in our systems, in our... I'm so thankful for medicine. I'm thankful for the world I live in. I'm thankful for the fact that I have clothes, that I have a house, that I have heating. I'm very thankful for all the blessings. But there's no hope in that. There's no, there's no ground in that. There's no security in that. The only security is in the one who God called about. Here he is. Listen to him. This is him. My favorite son. That is the true meaning of Christmas. That's why I love Christmas all year round. That's why I love this new series that we've started in last week where Wilson kicked us off and we'll continue, as Matt said, the coming couple of weeks to see not what can the church do by itself, but what can the people of God do when they follow Jesus. Because, as it says in the very beginning of Malachi, and that's what I want to close with, um, for you who fear my name and that's not a, a verb that says you need to be going oh I don't know with God I, oh I'm so afraid but that means the verb that I stand before God and go you're the only one thank you for saving me by your strength I am able to listen to you by your strength I'm able to follow you by your strength I'm able to obey you not, but by your strength. It's amazing. God saying, here he is the son. This is him. And for you who fear my name. Not the worldly system. Not the system that sometimes even churches or Christians in times past. Have tried to erect and use as this is how we should do it. But those who fear my name. I believe that when God said this is my son, this is him, this is it, this is the hope, that he saw a people, that he saw us, not as marching mightily, we can do it, but people that are humble before God and say, God, with you, I can do this. With you, I will do this. With you, I will listen. How do we do this? Um, in a sense, simple Every day living with God. Jesus, what do you want me to do? Being close to him. Um, as I said to finish, I have a little tradition in my house on, uh, on New Year's Eve. Although everyone says I'm crazy for doing it. But I admit, I may stop. But I've done it up until this last New Year's Eve. I go out and uh, buy a Hall of Start slot. Buy a little lottery ticket. And um, what I do with my half lottery ticket, even before I, I buy it, is thinking of all the great things I'm going to be able to do. Buying a car for my son, buying a motorcycle for the other son, buying this, helping the church at, and, it's, and I, it's just great. I'm spending millions and millions and millions in my mind with this half a lottery ticket. that I, And then I realized, and I was running on the, the day before New Year's Eve, I was running like, 
just thinking and, oh, I can do this. And all of a sudden, it, it was just for a brief moment. But in getting ready and preparing for this sermon, it was, it's not a lottery ticket that's going to do something. I already have everything if I fear God. And for a moment when I was running there, it felt like I have everything. This is, and it was such an amazing feeling. And it was not like I have a million in the bank, I'm going to do this and this. But in Christ, I have everything. It was amazing. And that's how I want to live every day. God with you, I can do everything because I have the hope because of all that you've done. So, um, asking Jesus, what do you want me to do? Trusting Jesus for my life, fearing him, being close to him. Um, and to end with my translation of Malachi 4.2, and then the band, if not, the band's gonna come up. Um, the, the simplest translation for Malachi 4 verse 2 that I wanna leave with you. Stay close to Jesus and he will lead you. Stay close to Jesus and he will lead you. I wanna pray. And then uh, we're going to worship the Lord. Father, I want to thank you for who you are. For your great love and plan. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. For coming for us. For dying at a cross for us. And coming back to life. Thank you, Father, for sending your spirit to live in our hearts. Thank you that you're with us. Lord, thank you that you give us hope. You're our only hope. With you, we can live. Lord, I ask that you would help us today and this week to fear you, to follow you, to stay close to you because you're our hope. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>